You know, really what I want to do this morning is extend the emphasis on remembrance. It's such a powerful thing, the idea of remembrance. If you have your notes, you'll see that's what we're going to be looking at this morning by way of message, the spiritual discipline of remembrance. I do think that it's a spiritual discipline to look back and to remember how far God has brought us. Although I have to say, I don't think that the power of remembrance is necessarily exclusively theological. I think that the power of remembrance is true in a lot of different areas of our life. For those of you who've been graduated for a number of years, either from high school or from college, perhaps you've had the experience of hanging out with friends from high school or hanging out with old college buddies And you spend the evening there at a restaurant laughing and catching up and talking about how it was in the good old days. Do you remember those days? And you remember talking with your friends about the good old days. And you leave there, you're driving home, and you're just thinking to yourself, that is so good for my heart. That's the power of remembrance. That's the power of remembrance. Or uh, for those of us who are married on your anniversary Have you ever watched the video from your wedding or looked at the pictures, you know, of your wedding day and you and your spouse are there and and there's just those hearts in your eyes and your spouse is just, oh, it's so cute. And you're just looking at that day, reliving it and going back over it. And and you in the evening just with your heart full back is the power of remembrance. We have some kids here who are in the worship service today. They're like, ew, that's gross. You know, that's so nasty. And marriage, I don't want to get married ever. Well, let me speak on your terms, okay? And the adults will be able to appreciate this one too because this is is an illustration about Christmas. And so if you are under 12 years old, I want you to stand up right where you're at. If you're under 12, you don't have to come forward, but if you're under 12, stand up, okay? Now, uh, who in here, if I asked you right now, you're standing up, if I asked you under 12, if I said, what is the coolest Christmas gift you've ever gotten in your whole life, how many of you would be able to tell what it is, your favorite Christmas gift ever? Now, the hands aren't going up because they're thinking, but I can promise you Uh, here's what I would know. Those of you who are standing up, if you were to take off your mask, don't do that. But if you did, and you came up here, and you told everybody about your favorite Christmas gift that you ever got, you know what you would be doing while you were telling it? You would be smiling. And you know why? Because there's actual chemical reactions that are going on in your brain when you talk about this awesome thing that you got for Christmas. And it's the power of remembrance. It's the power of remembering this awesome thing that happened to you one time. Thank you for standing up. Let's give them a round of applause for standing up. They're going, oh, what is Pastor Zach going to do to me today? Making me stand up. You know, I have a grandfather. He, he passed away just a uh, a short season ago he was in world war ii he was in the navy and growing up i always wanted to hear stories and you know as a young child you don't read social cues very well and so i'm asking my grandfather we call him paul paul I'm asking Papa to talk to me about the war. And my mom is just like staring daggers at me like, you need to stop right now. 
And he never wanted to talk about the war. I discovered as I grew older that many people who lived through the horror of war, they don't want to talk about it. You know why? Because of the power of remembrance. They don't want to relive that awful experience. And so whether it's with your friends or with your spouse or for the kids opening those Christmas gifts or those of you who have really lived through some really horrible things in life, the power of remembrance is incredible. And that's why I think Paul says to the church, never forget what Christ has done for you. Remember it on a constant basis. So you see your notes this morning that we're going to be in Ephesians 2. I invite you to open there. If you're worshiping with us from home, we welcome you. We're glad that you're worshiping with us today. And whether you're here in the room or you're at home, if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Uh, we have the printed copies. Many of us these days go to the uh, Bible on our phone. And that's fine too. You'll find Ephesians 2. And we'll be studying from that this morning. But we praise God that you're here. We welcome our guests. We know it takes a lot to worship at a new place, to drive to a new place, to park in a new spot and come in. And so we, we praise God for you today. We pray that you feel not only welcome but loved. Because we are a community of love. We believe in that very deeply. We praise God that you're here. Hopefully you found Ephesians 2 by now. This is going to be the scripture that we're going to use this morning to guide us in the way that we think about the spiritual discipline of remembrance. If you have your notes there, uh, you see that we're going to do just a couple of things. We're going to talk about what it is that we're supposed to be remembering. And then we're going to be talking about some very practical ways in our everyday life we can continue and extend the discipline of remembrance outside of this worship center into our everyday life. But we definitely want it to be uh, shaped by the Word of God. And so we're going to look this morning at Ephesians chapter 2, specifically verses 12 through 16. This is what the Word of God says, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man and in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? We just said a lot in those few verses. That's going to be the scriptures that we're looking at this morning, but if you're like me, when you just glance over those for a first Passover, you're thinking to yourself, wow, there is a lot of interesting words and phrases and meanings here. And what I want to do this morning is to summarize for you what it is that Paul is saying, because what he is saying is profoundly relevant to our everyday life in the here and now. 
And you notice, and if you even look in the verse above, in, in verse 11, he says, remember. And then we picked up in verse 12. He says again, remember. So we're talking this morning about the ability for us to remember on a regular basis something that is incredibly important. And now what is that? What are we supposed to be remembering? Well, here's what we're supposed to be remembering. We're supposed to be remembering that at one point we had these substantial problems, but the blood of Christ has brought a solution to those problems. The blood of Christ has answered the problems that we face in a very real and important way. So if you're making notes this morning, then you'll see that we're talking about the blood of Christ having a solution to some very specific problems. But these problems, I want for us to understand a couple of things about them. And I want for us to understand these very important things because these are things that will help us really appreciate, really lean in, really seek to understand the depth of riches to Christ in our everyday life. And I really mean that when I say our everyday life. And I also mean when I say that the blood of Christ solves problems that I have personally. And here's why I say that. Before we look at these three areas, when we start talking about problems at church, or in general, wherever you may be, we tend to get uncomfortable really quickly. We tend to step out of the personal and began to talk globally. Now it's true, globally we have problems. If you pull up social media right now and look at Facebook or Twitter or wherever you get information from, you will discover we have problems today in our culture. We have problems today in our country. And we can say very factually that our country, our culture, our people group, we have problems in the world today. But here's what I want for us to be able to do. I want for us to move our gaze onto the very personal issues that the blood of Christ solves in our personal life. That's what I think would be the win for us today. I'm not saying those things don't deserve our attention. I'm not saying that the problems that we face as a culture, as a community, as a society are not important. They are. And we plan on addressing those very soon. But what's important for this morning is for us to continue the theme of remembrance and how the blood of Christ really impacts my life. Now you see, if you have your notes, that I want to say three things about these problems. And the first is this. These problems are foundational to our existence. You know, there's different levels of problems. There's the type of problem that kind of is off-putting and annoying and frustrating and it gets on your nerves. But it really isn't when you scale back and look at the grand scheme of life, really not that big of a deal. You know... For me, one of those realities or one of those types of problems are when I'm driving and people cut me off or they get in front of me without turning a blinker on or, or you know, I, I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm driving and, and I have my maps on and I'm trying to listen and I'm doing my hands-free thing and, and I'm really, really trying to follow the rules, you guys. 
and I'm doing my thing, right? Like I'm being the rule follower, I'm following the laws, and all of a sudden this person just whips right in front of me, you know, talking on the phone. They don't have their blinker on. I get so mad. Does that happen to you or is it just me? Does that frustrate you? Well, listen, if that frustrates you, listen. Is it important? Yes. But in eternity, I think you will find out if it happens to you today, that in eternity, it wasn't the most important matter that you'll face this month. Those are things that may be upsetting, may be frustrating, but they aren't fundamental to your existence. Listen to me when I tell you this morning that the blood of Christ solves problems that are fundamental to our existence. Go back and look with me, if you would, in verse 12. And if if you feel the freedom to write in your Bible, I know some of you are raised up where you not write in your Bible. Not for nothing. You don't ever write in your Bible. Well, I like to. In fact, if you can see, I've got notes written all over the place. And I have underlined some words here that I want to pass on to you so that you can star them or circle them or underline them because this demonstrates to us that these problems that the blood of Christ solves for us is problems that are fundamental to our existence. The first one is this. In verse 12, I, I underlined the word separated. At one point, I was separated from Christ. Now, I come here on a Sunday morning and I sing about being connected to God. When Richard was leading us in community, uh, excuse me, communion, he was talking about the fact that we have fellowship with God. We have communion with God. But here the scripture says that at one point I was separated from Christ. I also underlined the word alienated. I was alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Now you may look at that phrase commonwealth of Israel. I don't live in Israel. I live in the commonwealth of Massachusetts. It's a wrong commonwealth. No. No, not at all. Now, you have to understand this morning that when it talks about the commonwealth of Israel, it's talking about the fact that Israel is God's chosen people. Not was, is. Is God's chosen people. And God adopted them uniquely to bless the world through Israel. And, and, and when the scripture says that we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, what it's saying is that we were alienated from the people of God. We were not included in the people of God. That is a fundamental problem for me and my existence because I want to be in the people of God. And thanks be to God in Christ Jesus that in Christ we are grafted into the people of God. I also underlined the word strangers. I was a stranger to the covenants of promise. I underlined the word no hope or the phrase no hope, having no hope. I underlined the phrase without God. You see, these are problems that are fundamental and foundational to my existence. These aren't small potatoes. These aren't no big deals. These are huge deals. And they have everything to do with not only the here and now, but our eternity. Listen to me when I tell you, out of love, these are things that we have to have right. These are things that if you don't have right today, you need to get, you need to get them right. These are foundational to our existence. Now, the second thing that I want to say about these problems that we're talking about today is that they're unsolvable on our own. 
Now, if you've been here for any time at all, you've probably heard me say this phrase. And if you're a guest or you're kind of newer to the fellowship, I hope you'll stick around. You'll hear me say this a lot more. This is what I always say. You are a very smart person. You're very capable. And I'm sure that you're very tough and strong as well. However, as smart and tough and brilliant and gifted as you are, there are some specific problems in life for which you cannot solve on your own. They're spiritual problems. And the Bible talks about these issues, and these are some of them. We were alienated from God. We were separated from God. We were strangers to his promise. We didn't have hope. We were without God. Listen, these are problems that not only are foundational to our existence, but the Bible says that with all of my strength, I can't solve on my own. With all of my intellect, I can't figure out on my own. We need the Lord Jesus to bridge the gap for us. And so the reason that we remember the cross, the reason that we participate in communion, the reason that we sing about the old rugged cross and the wonderful cross, the reason that we remember the cross is because it has solved problems that are foundational to our life, that are, un, excuse me, that are unsolvable on our own. And the third thing that I would say about these problems is that they're problems that affect me both horizontally and vertically. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. When I talk about horizontal problems in the kingdom of God, I'm talking about problems between people, between two people in the kingdom of God. So if, if Mike and I were to get in a fuss if we were to experience conflict, that would be a horizontal issue that needs to be worked out. Now, a vertical issue is my relationship with God. So in the kingdom of God, I have horizontal relationships and I have vertical relationships. If you go back and read Ephesians 2 verses 12 through 16, like we read this morning, you'll discover that the blood of Christ brings peace not only in vertical relationships but horizontal relationships as well so why do we remember well because the blood of christ is the solution to problems that are fundamental to my existence that i can't solve on my own and that affect not just my relationship to god but my relationship to others as well that's why remembrance and the kingdom of God is so powerful. That's why we must never forget the price that Christ paid on the cross. Now, before we talk about how we can do this in our everyday life, I want to share with you some benefits. Now, if you'll go back and look in, in verse 12, you will see that Paul says... To remember that we are at one time separated from Christ, alienated, strangers, without hope, without God. He says, remember this. And not only remember what you used to be or who you used to be, but remember that in verse 13, in Christ Jesus, we who were far off, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, what happens in my life when I start to do that well? I want to share with you a couple of things that happen. One, it brings humility into our life. When I think about where God has brought me, 
When I think about who I was before Christ, I am brought to humility with the goodness of God. I couldn't solve these problems. The cross solved them for me. God's loving kindness and his mercy and his gentleness with me did all of this for me. It brings me humility, humbleness. It also brings thankfulness. Humility, thankfulness, hope. We were talking about the issues that we face today that we see on the screen that we're living through right now. And if we're not careful, we can struggle with losing hope. Has it happened to you yet since the pandemic hit? Has it happened to you since you've looked at the news and you've seen the physical challenges that the COVID-19 virus has brought to our culture? Or maybe not the virus, but people's response to it. You know, you've got the ones who say that the virus isn't real and, you know, you're supposed to wear masks so the government can control you. And then you have, you know, the other side of the pendulum. And, and it, maybe it's not the virus. Maybe it's the way people are responding to it that just has you at your wit's end. Or maybe it's not the virus or responses to it. Maybe it's the racial divide and struggle that we're seeing today. It's processing the fact that, you know, innocent people are abused. Or maybe it's processing the fact uh, that there's riots in our streets today. Or maybe it's trying to process both at the same time where you're thinking, yes, innocent people have been abused by people in authority and shot by people in authority. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with rioting. And you're trying to figure out how to process all of that emotionally. And you're looking at it and you can't get away from it because whether you're on social media or television, it just keeps getting in front of your face. If you're not careful, even Christians can lose some hope. That's why remembering is so important. Because in the everyday struggle of life, where real stuff is happening, where real travesties are going on, we remember that Jesus suffered and bled and conquered. And so I can have hope even in a broken, confused, hurting world. Not that we're to be arrogant about that at all. Not that we somehow laugh at the rest of the world. <laughs> you have no hope, I have it all. No. But we don't have to lose focus of our mission because we live day to day with this hope that Christ has put in us. As Paul says, remember where you were and remember that it is the blood of Jesus that transformed your life. So even in the midst of September 2020, where the world is upside down, you can have hope because your hope isn't tied 
to circumstances in the here and now. It's tied to the bloody cross of Jesus Christ. Hope. You know what else you get when you have the discipline of remembrance? You get a passion for evangelism. I got to tell you that there are seasons of my life I am embarrassed to say to you that I am not motivated to share Christ with people. There have been times. There have been times since I have been a follower of Christ where on a scale of 1 to 10 of me and my desire of sharing Christ with the world around me, whether it be my family or my neighbors or my co- or whoever, it's been low. I'm not proud of that. I'm not excited about that. I don't report that to you with a smile. I'm ashamed of that. But you know, I have discovered that the seasons, when I look back on my life and I see the seasons where I was not motivated to share with people that I care about the gospel of Christ, it's the seasons that I was not remembering. It's the seasons where I, were not, where I was not constantly remembering who I was and what the Lord Jesus has done for in my life. So those are some things that we can expect to happen when we get good at the spiritual discipline of remembrance. Humility, thankfulness, hope, evangelism. But the question that we want to ask and answer before we close today is, how can we do that in our everyday life? You know, this morning... We have, uh, we've remembered. We've had communion. I was talking to the kids this morning. Let me say again to you kids, that communion isn't just snack time. It's not just a, a mid-church snack that you get. This is very substantial. This is theologically rich and deep and important. Because when we bite and take the wafer, we are remembering that the body of Jesus was broken for our sins. And when we drink the juice, we are remembering the juice is symbolic or it represents the blood of Christ. We are remembering the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for our sins. And so communion is a very powerful way that the church collectively remembers together. We do that once a month. If you're new to the fellowship, either in person or if you're here online, uh, we celebrate, we receive We participate in communion once a month because we believe it's important to remember. But the question is, how do I do this on a daily basis? So am I supposed to take 30 of these things and put them in my pocket and leave and every day take one out in a public place and do communion? That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that remembering the blood of Jesus on a daily basis is a fundamentally important thing for us in our spiritual health. So the question is, how can we, in a practical, daily way, remember the sacrifice of Christ? I want to close this morning by offering you three practical suggestions. If you do these three things, I believe that you will not struggle with remembering the work of the Lord in your life. Now, I'm not saying you won't have any other struggles. I'm just saying that I believe these three practical actions can solve the problem if we're struggling with remembering the work of God in our life. The first is to write out and share your testimony. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't written your testimony, I want to encourage you to do that this week. You know, there's something very powerful about sitting down and writing out the story 
of who you were before Christ and the story about how you came to give your life to Christ and how God has been working in your life since then. Now, you may be saying this morning, well, Pastor Zach, I don't have this radical story of it where I was some rebellious, horrible person that did horrible things before I was saved. Maybe not. And thanks be to God if that's not your story. But you are still alienated from God. You are still separated from Christ. Because whether your sin is very noticeable and shocking to the world or whether it's very quiet and accepted by the world, sin, all sin produces the same thing. It separates us from God. And I I don't want you to feel bad today if you don't have this radical, crazy story for a testimony. Being separated from God is being separated from God. It is a tragedy, no matter how flamboyant of a sin you might have committed in your past. So writing out your testimony is a powerful way for you to remember just exactly what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, that at one point we were separated, we were without hope, we were without Christ, we were not connected to the promises of God, but in Christ Jesus, through the blood of Christ, we are now connected to God. So who I was before Christ, my story about how I gave my life to Jesus, and then how has the Lord been blessing my life and working in my life in recent history? And then share that with someone. Share your written testimony with people. Share it with people on your street, people that you work with, people that you go to school with, to our students who are ready to go back to campuses and minister to people or join virtual classrooms. This is a great way for us to remember God's work in our life. The second second way that we can do this in a very practical way is to set life goals that are anchored in these theological truths. Now, the reality is you're going to set goals. We all set goals, and goals are a good thing. Life goals are a good thing. Uh, we, we want to set a goal to get better at this or do this or have more of this, whatever it may be. I would encourage you to set life goals based on the theological truth that in Christ Jesus, your life has been transformed and you now enjoy a rich com- communion and fellowship with God and a rich communion and fellowship with other believers. And, and you can set those types of life goals And it will help you to remember. If you have a struggle with setting life goals based upon Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 16, I'd be happy to help you. But in my mind, if we're already going to set goals, and if this is really important stuff to us, then let's set life goals that, that anchor us to this reality. Let's share our testimony with people. Let's set life goals that are anchored in this reality that the blood of Christ solves problems for me that are foundational, that I can't solve on my own, that connect me to God and connect me to others. And the third one is this, very practical. Enjoy the word of God daily. Now you may be a person who's got a history of off and on readings of the Bible. Maybe for a season, you say, I want to read the Bible every day. And 
the first week you do that, and the second week you read it for six days, and the third week you read it for three days, and it just kind of goes down and down from there. And you feel bad. You feel guilty. You feel frustrated. And when you have that type of experience, inevitably what happens is that what is supposed to be good and inspiring now all of a sudden makes you feel bad about yourself and you feel guilty. When, instead of when you see the Bible feeling inspired, you feel shame. I should be reading that more. I should be doing more. I should be doing. Listen to me. You got to free yourself from all of that and be inspired that reading scripture daily will help you in practical ways. It's not something that you have to do. It's something you get to do that helps you remember God's power in your life in very real and practical ways. So I do encourage you to make a commitment to be in God's word every day. Because every day when we read the scriptures, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves that human beings, although they're incredibly awesome creatures, we are awesome creatures, uh, we're wonderfully made with intentionality from God, with purpose from God. And in fact, the scripture says when God made human beings, he looked up on the human beings and he said, this is very good. Yet we still need the grace and mercy and loving kindness of God in our life on a daily basis. And when we're in the word, we are reminded of the twofold truth that I need God desperately and he is there for me every day. That will happen as we read scripture. So this morning, I hope that I've been successful at continuing the theme. You know, we sang songs this morning focused on the cross and we took communion together today, which obviously focuses on the cross. And today we looked at a scripture that reminds us that once we are separated from Christ, alienated from the people of God, without hope and without the Lord, but because of the crucifixion of Jesus, because of the blood of Christ, the Lord Jesus has brought peace where there was hostility. And where there was division, he's brought unity. Let's be good at remembering that moving forward. Would you stand with me? And let's close with prayer this morning. If you would, just bow for prayer. And we'll close our time with just seeking the Lord in prayer. Maybe there's this morning something that you need to say to the Lord. As you've heard these incredible announcements or through prayer time, through reflection, through communion, through musical worship, through hearing the word of God, maybe there's something that's happening on the inside of you and you need to just express that to God. I want to give you a moment to do that. Or maybe you need to be silent so that you can hear God speak to you. I want to give you a moment to do that as well.
as we get ready to pray and close, can I just ask you to think of some really practical, concrete things that you can do this week to remember the richness and the goodness of God in your life. What does it look like in your life, in your context, in your situation, and the rhythm of your life, your living room, your study spot, your work cubicle? What does it look like for you to remember that you were once separate from God, but Christ brought you near? And so, Lord, we close another worship service focused on you. You've been so gracious to us. You've been good to us. You've been kind to us. In a season of rebellion, in a season of running away, you went to the cross to make peace between us and a holy God, a righteous God. Thank you. We're grateful for the writing of Paul who reminds us of who we were and who we are and what made all the difference, which is your blood, Lord, the blood of Christ. Thank you. We go with a full heart, with an inspired mind to be great ambassadors for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus our Lord and our Savior, the one who brings us peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.